Welcome to the Michigan Business Network. This is Media Business. I'm Tony Conley. Thanks so much for tuning in. We try to talk with business leaders, with community leaders, about how the media covers their business. We learn a little bit about their business and how people like me can be better at covering them. And this will be a pretty cool podcast because the guest is a friend of mine and smart guy and can't wait to get him on. John Dwayne is the new Ingham County prosecutor. He's a diehard University of Michigan football fan. He's a good dude. He was a youth tackle football coach for many, many years. And I tell you what, of all the guys I know who are into getting after it at the gym, John Dwayne is as physically fit as anyone I know. John, how are you, my friend? Good, Tony. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Or appreciate having you on. Let's kind of dive right into it. You've been with the Ingham County Prosecutor's Office for quite a while. I'm probably one of the many people that said, do you need to get after it and become the Ingham County Prosecutor? That kind of happened. Tell us how that did occur. Yeah, Tony. So I'm a career prosecutor, 22 years in the business. The last 10 years, I was the deputy chief assistant prosecutor. That was under three different administrations, that being Stuart Dunnings, Governor Whitmer, and then Carol Seaman. And then that 10 years, I just did prosecution of homicide cases. So when the opportunity presented itself, it was always in the back of my mind to either run or be appointed as the prosecutor. So when Carol Seaman retired early, that was my opportunity to take advantage of it. I thought the office needed to go in a different direction. I thought we needed a change of leadership. So I took advantage of that and put my name in the hat and was appointed by the circuit court judges to take over for her term. So Ingham County, Michigan prosecutor, tell us as soon as you knew you were getting the top spot, what did you do? Were there some changes you made? What happened? Sure. So I took office January 3rd of this year, and my number one priority upon taking office was to attempt to reduce gun violence in our community, in our county. My office is committed to protecting Ingham County residents from the upsurge in gun violence. And as you know, or have read, there has been a real increase in violent crime in Ingham County in our community. So what I did on my first day of office is I implemented several different policies from my predecessor. Two of the main ones is I began to charge criminals with habitual offender charges, so repeat felony offenders. So I thought that was important to consider a person's prior felony criminal history because I think that's relevant to future criminal conduct. And these people have been given a chance to reform, given you know the skills to change their life, but choose not to. So we are charging people with repeat offender charges. So if you're a felon that has one prior felony, you get charged with a habitual second, and then it goes from there up to a habitual fourth offender. And then the other thing that I did is I instituted, we're going to start charging felony firearm, which was taken away from the predecessor, Carol Seaman. And that's a mandatory two-year felony. If you use or possess a gun in the commission of a crime or attempted commission of a felony, you're looking at a two-year stint in prison right off the bat. So that was a huge change that I incorporated on day one. You know, there's always a lot of discussions about guns, but the question I can't get answered is, what can we do? What actions can we enact to get the guns out of the bad guy's hands or to make it much more challenging for them? And this is beyond them stealing it from law-abiding citizens. What can we do, John? 
Well, you know, we have to work with our law enforcement partners. So obviously they are out on the streets policing fine. You know, Tony, there's a small group of people that commit a large portion of our violent crime. And certainly in the Lansing area, we work with law enforcement to identify who those individuals are and attempt to get those guns off the street or prevent them from committing crimes. I'm also working with a group called Advanced Peace. I'm not sure if you've heard of them, grassroots nonprofit organization that's come into Lansing. They've been set up in about 10 to 12 other different cities. What they do is they target youth offenders and try to get to them before they commit a crime, before they pick up that gun. They work with law enforcement to identify who these individuals are. They do not work with law enforcement to release the identities of their people on the ground in the boots on the street. So that's another avenue. But you know what I've seen, Tony, in the last two, three years is just the amount of guns that people own or possess. And I don't have a problem with people who legally possess firearms and have their CPL and want to carry. I have no issue with that. What we're seeing is people that are felons who do not have a carried concealed weapons permit and they have multiple guns in their vehicle and you know, nine millimeters with a 50 round clip. So it's not an easy answer to your question because there's so many guns out there right now. So you get those guys off the streets, I know, but is there underground network you can go to or is it really just focusing on small amount of people who are bad guys, just getting them off the street? It is really trying to focus on that small group of people and try to infiltrate them and to try to get to their network. You know, some of this is gang related. Some of it's not. Some of it's domestic violence related. And then there's some, you know, just robbery incidences where people are robbing a person and then kill them in the course of the robbery. So yeah, we're trying to identify, we have hotspots, right? We know where the hotspots are. And so those law enforcement, you know, ups the patrols in those areas. And we have an undercover unit, obviously, that tries to infiltrate and try to track these people down. When we come back, we're going to talk with John about his relationship with other prosecutors and how that works. We'll do that next on Media Business on the Michigan Business Network. Sinair has been advancing communities and providing opportunities for people in Michigan for more than 25 years. Through lending, investments, and the creation of homes and jobs, Sinair has made a combined $7 billion impact on the communities they serve. Learn more at www.sinair.com. Tony Connolly. This is Media Business on the Michigan Business Network. We're talking with Eam County Prosecutor John DeWayne. John, we hear a lot in the media about prosecutors, and they're different. Some are soft on crime. Some were helped financially to attain their positions. Some just want to follow the law and get the bad guys off the street. Talk about your relationship with working with different prosecutors. So, you know, I do work 
in close conjunction with the Eaton County prosecutor, who's Doug Lloyd, definitely has a smaller county, smaller population than we do. And so we work together, you know, we cross county lines sometimes with our jurisdiction. So he's a great resource. He's been an elected official for probably over 10 years. So I bounce a lot of things off of him. So I work well with them and we try to work in conjunction of trying to reduce crime in the tri-county area. I know up in Clinton County, Tony Spagnolo is up there. I haven't reached out to him too much in the last two months that I've taken office, but it's certainly important to keep those relationships up. I do work closely with the Attorney General, Dana Nussel's group. There's certain agreements we have about officer-involved shootings, you know, and things of that nature that we work with together with her. What's the relationship like working with her? Is she pro-gun, anti-gun? Is she a little bit maybe more lenient with crime than others or what's I your think take? She's in support of the recent bills that are going through right now that we've seen as a result of the Oxford and MSU shooting, which the bills are, you know, universal background checks at this time, a bill on in front of the house right now on safe storage, locking up your gun safely, making sure that children aren't accessing the gun or somebody else. And then the extreme risk protection order act, which is like your red flag laws, where you can remove a gun from an individual or individuals who are a danger to themselves or others. And I believe she's wholly in support of those. John, you mentioned that crime is up in Ingham County, Michigan. From what I understand, crime is up all over the country, including the state of Michigan. From your perspective, why is that? The proliferation of guns in our society. The United States is in love with their guns. But I think the other thing is, Tony, we have a mental health crisis on our hands, not only in the state of Michigan, but throughout this country. There is not enough facilities to treat mentally ill people. There's not enough money. And so I think we really need to start focusing on mental health and mental illness. Ten years as a homicide prosecutor, if not more than that, I would say at least 50% of my homicide individuals were people with mental illness, specifically paranoid schizophrenia. John, if we had the facilities, if we had the resources to help these people, how much do you think that would help with your job? I think you'd see a significant reduction in homicides and violent crimes. There's no place to treat these individuals and merely putting them in in a jail to sit there without treatment is not the answer. Mm -hmm. So how do we solve that problem, John? Do we need to get government together and get more money from them? Do we need to have community folks? Do we need to have the churches become involved? Is it a team effort? How do we fix that? All of the above, Tony. Yeah. The first and foremost is you need government to come together and start spending real money towards fixing this broken issue, opening up hospitals, building new hospitals. You know, I think we only have two facilities in the state of Michigan that house mentally ill people. You can't get a bed, Tony, right now. If I want to send somebody down there, it takes six months just to get something open. So yeah, it's a collaborative effort with the government getting the money, getting the facilities open, you know, and then you have to pay the doctors to treat these people. Yeah, it's a community-based effort for sure. Do you see any movement on this? No, I haven't, unfortunately. Hmm. I mean, right now, I think a lot of people are focused on gun reforms, which is great. But there's another component of this, which is the mental health aspect. When we come back from break, I want to talk about fentanyl and how big of a problem it is, not only in Eam County, but in the state of Michigan. We'll do that next. I'm Tony Conley. I'm talking with Eam County Prosecutor John DeWayne. This is Media Business on the Michigan Business Network.
Physicians Health Plan is local. For 35 years, we've been a part of your community, and we take pride in helping you get the coverage, care, and personal service you deserve. Go to phpmichigan.com for more information. We're the health plan that works for you. This is Media Business. I'm Tony Conley on the Michigan Business Network. We're talking with EM County Prosecutor John Dwayne. John, let's talk about the fentanyl. Before we talk about specifically the drug, how important do you think it is to secure the southern border? And in some instances, the northern border, because we've heard of some problems there. Yeah, I don't know if I have a real insight on that, Tony. I mean, I'm not sure securing the southern border affects what happens in Michigan. I think it's more the states that surround the border, Texas, Arizona, California, those things. I don't see an influx of illegal immigrants in our state committing crimes, I guess. That was to lead me to fentanyl and drugs. A bigger problem is that not only in your county, but in the state from your perspective. Sure. So there is an uprise in fentanyl use. And as you know, heroin's being cut with fentanyl or fentanyl's just being sold as fentanyl. And it is so much more powerful and so much more deadly than heroin. It is extremely dangerous to the point where law enforcement get exposed to it. It's extremely dangerous. They have to be masked up, gloved up, and sometimes they won't even test it anymore because it's that dangerous. So we are seeing a lot of opioid deaths, including fentanyl in our county and throughout the state of Michigan. John, one of the things I think that we need to do to kind of get rid of some of this division we have in society, but to help with the homeless problems, to help with the drug problems, to help with the crime problems, is I think we need to establish and implement programs to deal with the disintegration of the family unit. And, you know, I think we need the funding for that. I think we need for community and faith-based organizations to be involved with this, but we've got to get families back on parenting their kids. Couldn't agree more. You know, back when I worked for Mr. Gunnings, that was one of his number one priorities is ensuring children go to school, stay in school. And he would hold parents accountable for truant students. He would charge them with a misdemeanor. I support that. I think we have to have kids that are going to school, kids that have a father figure, a mother in the home, who aren't being abused by their parents, who have a safe place to go after school, after school programs, mentoring, all these things help reduce crime. John, what's your take on the media and how we cover crime? Well, I think it's an important relationship between my office and the media. Certainly as a public figure and a servant to the citizens of Ingham County, they deserve to know what's going on. But there are things, Tony, that the media reports or wants me to comment on, which ethically I can't under the Michigan rules of professional conduct. And I can't comment on a person that's getting ready to stand trial on their innocence or guilt. I can't comment on their silence. So There are rules that I have to follow that the media sometimes wants the answers to. And I say, I can't provide those at this time. John, how can the media be better at covering crime and just be more accurate? Reach out to me, you know, reach out to law enforcement. And before a story gets written, make sure you vet it out, make sure you know what you're going to report on. And quite honestly, Tony, most of the news organizations I work with are really good. I have a great relationship. In fact, when I took office, I made it a point to reach out to the local news agencies to introduce myself. They let me tour their facilities. So 
it's important for me and my office to have a good relationship with media. And I think it's a two-way street. When it comes to repeat offenders, John, what's the answer on working with them or dealing with them, I should say? Man, it's yeah. a tough gig. It is. You know what? I believe, and I'm a proponent of, of specialty courts, that I believe people should have second chances totally. So in our county, we have sobriety court, drug court, mental health court, veterans court, domestic violence court. We have all these different specialty courts where if people qualify, they come in and they get the services, therapy, things of that nature to change their lives. I'm supportive of that. But there's at some point where an individual chooses not to change their lifestyle. And we can't spend any more resources on that individual. We have to give people that actually want to change their lives those resources. And so if you're a repeat offender, you know, at some point we have to draw the line. All right, John, before I let you go, a couple more questions. From your perspective, what are we in the media? What does the general public miss about your job and your department? Well, there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes that the public doesn't know about. I've got 32 attorneys and 30 plus staff that work here. And my APAs are great, really hardworking, underpaid, but they are great. We're a young office. I can tell you right now, it's difficult to find attorneys that want to work in law enforcement. We have two openings right now for assistant prosecutors. And I'm not sure if we have more than one application at this time. So it's difficult in these times to have attorneys come in and want to be prosecutors. So it's frustrating. But I want the public to know that we're working hard to keep you safe, to protect you guys. And we're going to continue to do that. All right, John, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, big time Michigan football fan, (laughs) what's your feeling about next year's team? Well, you know, I like next year's team. I was a little disappointed about the basketball team, quite honestly. That one hurt. It's hard to get excited for March Madness when your team isn't dancing. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm excited about the football team next year. I think we got some good talent coming back. It'll be interesting to see how we go through the season, but I'm really disappointed in that basketball team. All right, but you're not anti-Spartans, are you? Because I know you're at some Spartan games. I got a sophomore at MSU and I got a Mm -hmm. freshman at U of M. You know, people say I have a house divided. Not really, because the MSU students are big Michigan fans. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We've been talking with John Dwayne, who is the Ingham County prosecutor. John, I appreciate your time so much. Thank you. Tony, I appreciate you. I appreciate our friendships. Thanks for having me on. I'm Tony Connolly. This has been Media Business on the Michigan Business Network. We'll see you next time.